You're listening to the Habitology Podcast with Melanie White, and today's episode is called Four Ways to Beat Imposter Syndrome. Imposter syndrome has been a hot topic lately in many of my conversations, and so I've decided to cover it again in this episode. There was a previous episode on this, but I'm doing a new one with a slightly different flavour. And beyond the conversations of the last few weeks, it's come up about four times, but I've worked with several clients in the last year who've really been struggling with imposter syndrome. And through the process of coaching conversations, I've just seen a few things that have been really effective in helping these people to beat it. So I guess the first thing with imposter syndrome is that it creates an unhelpful downward spiral. If you're continually plugging negative thoughts into your head, then your brain's going to take those as an instruction and to start looking for evidence to prove the thoughts right. That's how our brains work. So you really don't want to go down that pathway and you definitely need to learn some skills to manage those imposter thoughts and feelings. And of course, there's no magical quick fix for imposter syndrome. But there are some habits that you can form that will help to reduce imposter syndrome and keep it at bay and help you to get through it quickly. And these are things that anybody can use and benefit from. They're really accessible. So I'd like to talk to you about those things today, but let's start with a definition. What exactly is imposter syndrome? Well, I went to Healthline, which I think is a really great website with a lot of valuable information in it. And they define imposter syndrome as follows. Imposter syndrome, also called perceived fraudulence, involves feelings of self-doubt and personal incompetence that persist despite your education, experience and accomplishments. Isn't that interesting? You can have all of the education, experience and accomplishments in the world, but you can still have the feelings of self-doubt and personal incompetence. And so Healthline says that imposter syndrome can manifest in one of five forms, perfectionism, struggling to deal with anything that doesn't come easily. And this is if you're used to being good at things and then something's difficult. Thirdly, the belief that you should be able to do things on your own without help. Next is believing that you should have all the answers and be an expert. And finally, linking your competence to success in all areas of life or any area of life. So if any one of those five things sounds familiar, that's a version of imposter syndrome. And in the clients I've worked with, these patterns come up in conversation a lot, along with a sense that they'll be judged or criticised if they don't succeed or if they don't achieve perfection or if they don't have all the answers. So there's also this concept of external judgment and criticism that comes up. So if any of this sounds a bit familiar, then you might have some sort of imposter syndrome going on. And I want to point out something before we go further. If you're in the process of learning anything new in your life, you know that there's going to be a steep learning curve, right? You're not going to be perfectly good at something the first time you do it. But there's possibly going to be a period during this learning phase that you're in where you feel like you have no idea what you're doing because you haven't had enough time to practice your new craft. And I see this a lot in my work as a business coach in working with business startups and also in coach training 
at a health and wellness coach training school. In those scenarios, I work mostly with mature adults who are going through a career change and they have a lot of past success and knowledge, but they see their foray into a new career as really challenging and disheartening. After all, they're grown-ups. They're so used to feeling competent and now suddenly they're inexperienced newbies. I know what this is like. I was heading up a large organisation and I moved to a new town where I knew nobody and I went from hero to zero, <laughs> literally in that, in that one trip, I just lost everything <laughs> in terms of my confidence, all that I knew and started again. It was really challenging and, you know, enter the imposter syndrome. Never mind. <laughs> it's 100% normal to feel insecure when you're learning new things, to doubt yourself and to feel like you don't know enough or aren't doing it well enough. In fact, it's called learning. Just like a small child learning to walk, falling down and then getting up again determinedly to try again, you can learn to develop new skills and persist without feeling like a failure. So how do you do that? Well, I've wrestled up some of the ways that you can move past imposter syndrome more easily. And in this episode, I want to share four methods that have come up in coaching conversations with my clients that have been really effective in helping them to overcome imposter syndrome more quickly. Now, these are not one-time use methods. They're not a magic bullet. They need to be done consistently. You need to develop a habit around them. So have a listen to these four methods and see if one of these appeals to you as a starting point to experiment with and to develop a practice around. Method number one is scheduling time to recognize success. Schedule time to recognize success. This is where this comes from. Self-efficacy is a key part of beating imposter syndrome. If you don't have much self-efficacy, you're more likely to feel like an imposter. And self-efficacy simply means that you have a sense of competence around your ability to do certain tasks or activities. For example, maybe you know that you're a good boring dancer or that you're good at making cakes or that you know how to paint a picture. Knowing that you have skills and strengths in a particular area confers a level of self-confidence. They go hand in hand. And that's why method number one, the method of reflecting on the things that you do well is really helpful. It, you can beat imposter syndrome by reflecting on your wins. That could be wins in your daily life or your progress in learning a new skill. And here are a few ways that you can do that. Firstly, if you're a coach, you can start working with practice clients and develop a self-reflective practice to put into place after every coaching session that you do. So you do the session and then you'd write some notes about what went well, what was challenging and so on. You'd focus on being objective and non-emotive in your feedback, just using really neutral language. And you could use your client's behaviour and verbal feedback to gauge what you feel went well, what they seem to enjoy, what you might have done differently and why. It's a great way to learn quickly, by the way. If you want to become good at something, doing that self-reflection is going to really help. And that's not just with coaching, but with any sort of skill. The second way to build self-efficacy is to collect external feedback. So this could involve reading through testimonials and feedback surveys from your clients on a regular basis to remind yourself of the value of what you do. 
And that implies that you'd need to be collecting feedback after your coaching sessions or after seeing a customer of yours as part of your business habits or processes. But if you're not a coach and you don't run a business, how can you get external feedback? Well, you could ask friends what they think your strengths are or what they like about you. Ask for candid people from people that you trust. It might feel a little bit uncomfortable, but you'll probably be pleasantly surprised about what comes back and maybe a bit delighted. A third way to build self-efficacy is to reflect on the value of what you do in your life. And this is kind of a different version of what I've just explained. You could consider any area of your life. For example, the importance of being a parent. What's possible for your child because you care for them, because you house them and feed them and get them to school? What's possible for them and for the world? What's possible if you continue to run your business or if you continue to do the job that you have? What good can that create in the world? Who can you help? And by doing that work and helping those people, what will they be able to do? If you're new to coaching or running a business and you're concerned about the value of your services, consider what's possible if your clients get to the end of their program and have made changes in a specific area of life. And because of that, what's possible for them then? And what else? Keep going down that spiel. Keep asking what else and what next? Really expand and unpack the benefits of the work that they're doing with you or the service that they're buying from you. In other words, use really big picture coaching questions toward the client who shows up and does their work or the child that you're raising or any other thing and see what's possible because of what you're doing with them. Hopefully, you can see that with a few questions and reflections, it's possible to recognize skills and strengths that you have and to acknowledge those things that can have a bigger impact in your own life or someone else's. Method number two is to say, I don't know. <laughs> now, this might sound strange, but let me explain. My husband recently told me a story about one of his first jobs in Australia. He moved here from California. He moved to Perth and he had no connections. And moving into a new job, he felt so much pressure to have all the answers. And it was really impacting him. And one day he was asked a question at a work meeting and he said simply, I don't know, but I'll get the answer and come back to you. It was the first time he'd done it, but he described the sense that a huge weight was lifted from him because he could be totally honest, which is one of his greatest strengths, and he could go away and learn something, and then he could still fulfil a request and gain probably more respect than if he'd tried to bumble through an answer as if he knew what he was talking about. I also found the courage to do this a long time ago, and it was very liberating. Think about it logically. Nobody ever has all of the answers all of the time. And if you can learn to be okay with that, you can remove at least some of the weight of expectation that you've placed on yourself. To get a sense of what this is like on the receiving end, see if you can recall the time when someone gave you an answer that you knew was fake. Let's say you remember a time you were in a shop or you're talking to someone and you ask them a question and they gave you some kind of waffly answer and you could get that sense that they were just fumbling their way through and they didn't really know. How did it feel? What did you think of the person at the time who was giving you that fake answer? 
Interesting, isn't it, when you think about what it's like to be on the receiving end. And now flip that and imagine if they had been honest with you and said, I don't know, but I'd find out. How would you feel about them then? What would you be thinking? I'm sure you can see the difference. And if we want to be really pointy about this, in those two versions of a situation where someone's giving you a waffly fake answer or an honest I don't know, only one of those is an imposter and it's not the one telling the truth. The imposter is actually the one that's faking it. There's food for thought. <laughs> now, method number three for beating imposter syndrome is to tap into your purpose. I love this method so much because it seems to flip a switch instantly. What I notice with all of my clients and literally all of them is that when they feel like an imposter, they turn inward and they focus on themselves and their own inadequacies. And it can become an emotional and a sometimes judgmental conversation in the head that plays on repeat. And as I mentioned earlier, when you're plugging those sorts of thoughts into your head, your brain takes that as an instruction and starts looking for evidence to prove the thoughts right because that's how our brains work. So you can flip that and get out of the unhelpful thought loops really quickly by tapping into your purpose. If you're a coach or a business owner, then your imposter syndrome might be around your ability to give value to your clients. It becomes a conversation all about you and your inadequacy. But coaching is all about the client. So by flipping this thinking process, you can get back into that client-centric mindset and start delivering real value. To do this, to get out of that self-defeating language, reflect on some of those big picture brain-opening questions like, why does my work matter to the world? What could this much-needed skill change in my community? What will happen when I become masterful? How will it help me personally and how will it help my clients? And then the most powerful question of all is, why do I want to make a difference in people's lives? Why is that important? These are powerful questions. And as you can see, honing your purpose is a great way to pull away from all of those useless imposter thought loops and to refocus on the big picture, the why behind it all, the reason that it matters, the purpose. Method number four is to accept yourself as someone who's learning. Finally, if you feel like an imposter, it might be that your expectations are greater than what's realistic or possible right now. So by being honest and objective with yourself and getting external feedback, you'll be able to see clearly where you are in the learning continuum. And we talked about those things a bit earlier. And sure, you know, you might wish that you were further along. You might be comparing yourself to someone who's 10 years ahead of you. But maybe it's time to step back and accept yourself as someone who doesn't have all the answers right now, who can't do it perfectly right now, but who is on the journey to becoming more masterful. This is known as the growth mindset. Accepting yourself as a learner gives you permission to make mistakes. It opens up curiosity and it helps you to learn from your challenges and build strength. Another perspective on this is they say it takes 10,000 hours or 10 years, whatever, whatever comes first, to truly master something. 10,000 hours or 10 years, whatever comes first. 
consider where you are on that timeline. Yes, it's a sobering thought, but also it's a good reminder that your persistence in doing something you love that's important to you and to the world will lead to a good outcome. And persistence of itself is part of winning in a world where so many people give up. So we've covered a lot today, four methods for imposter syndrome. So to wrap up the episode, after several conversations about imposter syndrome recently, I wanted to share some insights on how to move through it more easily based on coaching conversations I've had with clients over the past year. The four methods were firstly, to start scheduling time to recognize your own success, which could involve self-reflection on your performance, reading client testimonials, asking friends for feedback, or performance reviews at work even, or reflecting on the downstream value or ripple effect of what you're doing. Secondly, you can practice saying, I don't know, but I'll find out and get back to you. This single act will be such a relief. You will gain respect and it will ease the pressure that you've been putting on yourself. Thirdly, you can tap into your purpose. Stop focusing inward on your flaws or your inadequacies and start focusing outward on the bigger benefits and impacts of what you're doing or learning to do. That will drive you forward to keep going. And fourth, you can accept yourself as a learner on a journey to mastery, which takes 10,000 hours or 10 years, whatever comes first. Hopefully you're understanding imposter syndrome a little better and you're feeling better equipped to tackle it. I'd love to know... Which one of these methods will you try first? As always, thanks so much for being here. I look forward to seeing you next week. It's almost Christmas. Hope you're getting your shopping done and planning some time off for a good relax. I know I will be. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next time.